Well, well, well. It looks like it's finally time to do this shit. Welcome to Ripcord's Codscast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the very first Circus of Dead Squirrels podcast. Or as I like to call it, the Cods Cast. It's not only what I like to call it, that's just what it's going to be called, damn it. It's called the Cods Cast. It's called Ripcord's Cods Cast. What is the purpose of this podcast? Well, I've decided to do this because I wanted to give y'all an inside look at the band. And I also wanted to uh, hopefully give you an opportunity to get to know me a little more. I'm hoping you can relate to uh, the stories I'll tell, especially those of you who are in my um, age group, those who lived through the 80s and 90s, lucky enough to have lived through the 80s and 90s. And I know that's just uh, dated me quite a bit, but that's just the goddamn truth. That's how old I am. And I'm proud of it, damn it. Because the 90s were pretty... They were pretty cool. And honestly, me saying that the 90s were pretty cool probably shows how out of touch I am with uh, <laughs> modern society. But I am what I am. Popeye. The wonderful, great Popeye said that one. Don't ever forget that. So it's, a, it's a hell of a line to live your life by. I am what I am. Uh, first of all, I wanted to, anybody who's listening to this right now, for you to actually still be here listening to this bullshit, you obviously are a pretty good fan. And I wanted to definitely thank you for all your support, um, all your encouragement through the years. It's really, honestly, no, I know I joke around a lot. I'm not joking. It's meant the world to me. Uh, it's kept me doing this at times where I really thought it was over. And it was always the fans that kept me doing it, to know that there were some people out there that really appreciated what I did and enjoyed the music we created. Circus of the Squirrels is over now, and it breaks my fucking heart. I've been in therapy ever since. Seven suicide attempts. But I'm still here. I'm still here. Apparently, I can drink a lot more cyanide than I ever thought was possible, and I'm actually kind of proud of that. I wear that like a badge of honor. I'm, of course, I'm kidding. And anyone who seriously is suffering through depression, I don't mean to make a joke of it. But it was sad. It was very upsetting for me to go through that. Certainly. Um, the band was a big part of my life. And that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, we have a lot of things planned for this first episode. I'm going to basically just uh, take you through a brief history of me, what led me to create the band. And I will also be discussing uh, the very first band I was in, Toilet Tuck. Toilet Tuck version one, that is. We'll get into that later. There was two versions of Toilet Tuck. Um, we will talk about the first one. And for the future episodes, we're not going to have any for this one. Um, because, unfortunately, there is no recordings of the, of the first Toilet Tuck. Not that I have, at least. In future episodes, we'll be playing clips um, of the other bands I was in leading up to CODs. And I'm very excited about this. We're going to be bringing in some some of the old band members, uh, some of which I haven't spoke to in many years, so should be interesting. 
I'm, I'm, I'm certainly going to enjoy it and, and, uh, and we'll have a good time. So with that all said, let's begin. So let's talk first about my beginnings. Not that I'm a narcissist or anything like that, like I'm the only person that fucking matters in this band, but let's just be honest about it. I am. And of course I'm kidding. And that's what, let me just establish something right now. I'm very sarcastic. So sometimes if you think what a fucking asshole this guy is, how could he be such a dick? Nine times out of 10, I'm being sarcastic. Really important to note that before we begin, because I just want to be sure, you know, I'm not that big of a prick, a little bit of a prick. A little bit of a... I don't have a little prick, but I am I am a little bit of a prick. Okay. Anyway, so... What makes a poncho ripcord? What goes into that? What ingredients are necessary to grow this plant? Let's talk about it. Let's, let's just rein it in together. And let's, let's really summon those demons. Let's, let's talk, okay? So my story, now I was born in the 80s. My earliest memory of music, I had a, uh, a Smurfs Walkman. It's like a, I don't know if it was a Walkman, but it was a little Smurfs thing and it, and it, played, it played cassettes. Uh, so I guess, yeah, it's a Walkman. But anyway, I remember dancing in my room, listening to Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. That's, that's, how, that's my first memory of music. And I thought I was a little badass, and quite honestly, I, I kind of was. If you were a little kid listening to Welcome to the Jungle, there was a lot of bullshit in the 80s, a lot of bullshit. <laughs> and I really took to that song. And I'm, I'm honored that, you know, that's, that's a pretty timeless song, and it says a lot about me, my musical taste, I think at least. So it was from that point on that I realized I did have a little special relationship with music, even at an early age. And my brother, who was, you know, about seven years older than me, so pretty significant, he got into, you know, he, he got into all the stuff way before me, and he had a whole uh, collection of cassettes. And I used to sneak into his room and steal his tapes. And interestingly enough, when I think back to it, I only, even as, I'm not embarrassed about any of it. I only took the good cassettes. I really did. I had impeccable taste, even as a child. Um, he had some real shitty stuff in there, too. He had a lot of that hair metal crap. He had um, bands you probably never even heard of, honestly. The Damn Yankees and Winger and um, it's just crap like that, you know. And I, and I you know, I would listen to it because I, I was trying to discover music. I'd listen to anything, but that shit would be ejected real fucking fast the stuff that i took and listened to alice in chains again guns and roses metallica faith no more danzig i mean these are the things that i immediately were drawn to um so that's kind of where uh my whole musical journey began uh, my first obsession, as I got a little bit older, as you know, moving into my uh, teenage years or right before it, um, my first obsession was Alice in Chains. Though that was the band that I really fell in love with. Uh, my brother had a mixed tape his friend made. It was mostly Dirt, the album Dirt. There was a couple other songs from why oh, maybe Facelift. 
Um, and I just absolutely loved it. I listened to it so many times. And so that was, that was really what got me interested in music. Like more than just listening to songs just for the fun of it. Like actually interested in the band. I found them very fascinating. And I mean, these were these were different days. It's not, you know, it's 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 weird. I think it's almost better in a way the way that we grew up because there was so much more rewards involved with everything we did without the internet. And of course, there's a certain. It's just awesome to be able to just find anything you want now. If you if you want to hear a song, you can just go online and listen to it. You, you know, you don't have to. You don't even have to go and buy it anymore. You know, you just can just go on YouTube or something and, and listen to a song. But when I was growing up, I mean, we seriously had to sit there listening to the radio, hoping they'd play a song you wanted to hear. Or just sitting there waiting to hear something, you know, new that you liked. And we'd have a cassette tape in the radio, in the stereo, and we would have to record the songs. So there was nights where I would seriously do nothing but sit there on my bed, with my finger twitching on the record button, waiting for a song that I desperately wanted to hear and just capture it, a recording of it, so I could have it. It honestly, it sounds, for those of you that are younger, you're probably thinking, what a pain in the ass. It was actually, it's a really good memory. It was really exciting because when that song would come on, it's like, without even doing anything, I'm, I'm laying on my, my fat ass laying on the bed doing nothing. And I felt like I accomplished something just from hitting freaking, just, just from capturing a recording of a song. I don't think, uh, we don't have to work that hard for things anymore. So something kind of nice about it. So that's what I used to do. And uh, I remember the first CD I ever bought because I had a bunch of tapes, but the, when I thought I was a big shot. I was a little late to the game with the CD thing. I, I still had uh, cassettes. The first CD I ever bought was actually Mad Season, which was um, one of Lane Staley's um, other bands, the Allison Chain singer. Obviously, I think everybody knows who Lane Staley is. And uh, my first favorite bands, I'd say, were um, Allison Chains, again, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I loved them for a little while. Can't stand them now. Crash the Stummies. I don't know if you all remember that song. Mm-hmm. Love the band. Still love. That's, in fact, that album, God Shuffled His Feet, this might be surprising because it's not heavy. It's not industrial. Nothing nothing like Cirque's Dead Squirrels. But that would be one of my three Desert Island albums, for sure. Top three. I would. That would be one of the three albums I'd bring with me. It's a, It's a legendary album, I think. Don't check it out, though, because you won't like it. <laughs> but my biggest, my most favorite band as a kid, and this is a band that I wore their shirt to school every single day. It was the thing basically rotted off me at the end of the school year. And you're gonna, this is going to be surprising, too. Live, the band that uh, sang um, I Alone and Lightning Crashes and all that stuff, selling the drama, it was my. I, I was obsessed with these guys. I loved them. It was the first concert I ever went to, and uh, Ed Kowalczyk or Kowalczyk, I don't know how it's said, but when he came out on stage, I was mesmerized. He came out in like a wheelchair, and I thought this guy was the just the biggest badass. And of course, he's not at all. And I don't like them at all anymore, which is weird that I was so. 
I mean, I can still listen to Throwing Copper, and it's an amazing album, but um, they did change, though, a lot after that album. They kind of, they, they well, by change, I mean, they kind of started sucking ass big time. But no, I have some, that album, it made me realize that I wanted to do that. When I saw him on stage, I said, that's what I want to do. So I will forever hold them in really, you know, high regards as as being a huge motivating factor in me actually starting a band. So that's that's basically where I came from as a kid, growing into my interest in music. And I think a lot of you can probably relate to that. And whether you'd be, you know, joined a band or not, it's a really fun time of your life. Mu- music is such a... It's just a, it's an amazing way to connect with the world and to when you're especially when you're growing up to understand yourself and to feel uh, you know a connection with others especially when you're not you know a jock playing sports and one of the cool kids you know just doing what popular kids do when you're kind of a little bit of an outcast or you know you're a little bit different than the other kids in any way it's it's a great way to find yourself and um We'll get into. Uh, I got into some crazier music as I went as I got went along, but <laughs> we'll get into that in the next section. So now we'll kind of move more into what actually led me to create Circus of Dead Squirrels. Um, some of the bands that were actually, I'd say, influential in building my musical personality, my my style and the very first band that um and I, and I don't think any of these will be a surprise to anybody they're pretty obvious uh from listening to cods i mean i think if you put a bunch of bands together to kind of sum up the cod sound i think you would probably refer to all three of these bands but still cool to talk about it <laughs> no no big surprises here though you know before i was talking about how i used to listen to the the radio and record songs um and i also mentioned how when i was a, a little kid listening to uh, Faith No More and my brother's cassettes. And that was uh, the real thing. That was the album that I listened to as a kid, and I loved it. And I remember we used to, uh, <laughs> they, they had the video for um, Epic with the fish on the piano at the end. And I remember just being really like kind of almost scared of it, but also really like intrigued by it. Um, it was a very, very cool music video. If you've never seen Faith No More, Epic, the video, definitely check it out. It's really, it's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, so I, but I had never, I, I kind of just never listened to him again after that. And then as I got older and I started getting into music, you know, on, on my own, I remember hearing the song Ricochet off uh, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. And I had no idea who it was. And I loved the song. And again, I sat and waited for them to play it again. And I needed them to talk about who it was. I didn't even know the name of the band. And when they said it was Faith No More, when they, when they eventually did play again, I was really confused because to me, it didn't even sound like the same band anymore. Mike Patton's voice had changed. Um, it was a really uh, kind of a different style of music and everything. And um, and I kind of just assumed that the band disappeared. Uh, not that I was really mindful of it, but I just never really thought of it again. And... I went out and I got the album and it was amazing. I mean, I loved it. I, King for a Day is one of my favorite albums. I mean, I could say that about all of Faith No More's albums, but um, that one is particularly special to me because it brought me back into the band. And 
I didn't even know that angel dust existed. So you can imagine the when I got that. I mean, because Angel Dust is one of the greatest albums ever made, I think. So that really started the whole Faith No More thing. And then obviously from there, I discovered Mr. Bungle. I'd say my my first biggest influence is Faith No More slash Mr. Bungle because the the first, especially the first Mr. Bungle CD. I, the other stuff was cool, but that that first album is it's an absolute masterpiece. And I'm sure everybody here has heard that album and knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mike Patton was just a huge influence on me. I think he's a genius. Yeah, so that's I don't think that's too surprising. I think you can probably hear a lot of that in Circus of Dead Squirrels. Never tried to rip them off or anything like that, but I would be lying if I sat here and told you that I wasn't influenced by him. Uh, my second influence, which I think probably is even more so than Faith No More as, as mm, the overall, uh, especially in the beginnings of Circus of Dead Squirrels, is, you know, as far as building the whole uh, character of the band and the lyrics and, you know, just the whole the whole package that was the band, not just the music itself, um, it was Guar. And interestingly enough, uh, I'm, I'm sure we, a lot of people would have this similar experience. I heard Guar for the first time on Beavis and Butthead. They used to watch music videos and comment on the videos. And um, I think it was Saddam Agogo was the song that they, the video that they watched. And, and that song actually is... Um, not only my first introduction to Guar, but it actually played a huge role in uh, the creation of Toilet Duck version two, which we'll talk about in a in another episode. But I, I just thought the band was absolutely great. It was just, you know, they they looked like they'd be like a death metal band or something. And honestly, I don't think I would have liked them at all if they were. And I kind of they had like a punk sound and um, didn't really match the the costumes and everything and i thought that was kind of cool i mean again it, you know it was a me they were a metal band but they they had a much obviously especially in the earlier days um they had a much more of a punk sound and i i just i loved the whole thing i thought they were really funny and uh yeah that was a big influence for me uh, i don't think there's anything more to say <laughs> uh and then the third influence i didn't get into industrial music until i was in high school I remember, you know, hearing Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson stuff like that, and, and I liked it, but I wasn't like it wasn't like my thing yet. Um, the band that really got me going with industrial music was KMFDM, and obviously they're like the the fathers of industrial rock. They're brilliant. They're just a brilliant band, and they still are. I mean, they they continue, and they lost, you know, a couple of the members, uh, the mainstay people, and they've still managed to to continuously pump out good music so that's it, it's just one of those bands that i've just never stopped loving i, I love them and um the first my first introduction to kmfdm was the album uh angst and um it's it's i have a weird memory of discovering them because it was seriously it was either right before or right after the the columbine thing happened and they were showing them on the news and they were talking a lot about the music they listened to and they had the KMFDM, either like a hat or a shirt or something on and it was, you know, they discussed a lot about how they loved the band and, you know, other bands too, but I think KMFDM was like their favorite band and they, they said their lyrics influenced them to do that, which was horrible. And I remember KMFDM made a statement about it saying that, you know, we obviously do not 
stand for any of that. And, and I think that's bullshit. You know, people interpret things any way they want. If the kids are nuts, I mean, they're going to hear things the way they want to hear them. So I don't blame KMFDM or any other band for the shit they did. But I remember just being like, oh, my God, that's kind of weird that I'm, you know, I, I think it was right before it, actually. And, and that's what, what kind of freaked me out about it. But I could honestly like Angst is a great album, but I, a part of me can kind of see why those those idiots said that they were influenced by the lyrics. But again, because they interpreted it the way they wanted to. But the lyrics were brilliant. And that's it was such a shame that, you know, that they they read into it the wrong way. But it's a very powerful album, for sure. And um, it's a shame that, that people ruin a good thing like that. But um, KMFDM came out you know, on top of that whole thing. It's not like that destroyed them or anything. I, th I actually thought it was pretty shitty that they were... I, I remember them taking a lot of, you know, getting a lot of blame for that. And it was just totally unfair. So I'm glad that they came out of that. And um, they have so many albums, too. I remember I, after I, I fell in love with that album, this was like one after another, just, you know, and I've never heard a bad album from them. I mean, and one of the things I've always admired a lot about them, especially in the, in the you know, in the old days, they, they put out so many albums, but they all had a very distinct, unique sound to them. And that's something that I think I've honestly tried to incorporate into uh, things I do, you know, you you use the same equipment, you have the same style and everything, but you always, you really do want every album to stand on its own. And honestly, there's a lot of good bands that do that. Faith No More did that. Alice in Chains did that really well. But that's something I've always been very mindful of when I start a new album. So those were, uh, those were the, my three biggest influences that led me to what we now know as Circus of Dead Squirrels. So here we are now, uh, where I actually started my first band. And this was called Toilet Duck. And this would be the very first version of Toilet Duck. I will uh, explain later that um, I consider this a very preliminary version of the band. We would later come back around and fine-tune it a bit. But uh, yeah, this was a three-piece band. I guess if I had to, to kind of categorize it, I'd, I'd call it a punk band. But it was really just kind of it was kind of just like a shit band. It was nothing really. It was it was three chord riffs with a very basic kick snare, kick snare drum beat, and me yelling over it and sometimes just talking. So I don't have any recordings of it, um, and I think that's probably a good thing uh, for the rest of you. I don't I don't really want to subject you to that. And uh, I just summed up our entire catalog anyway. I mean that that's that's all you really need to know. I'm sure you can kind of get an idea of what that sounds like. It's like a shitty Nirvana or a shitty green jelly, if you can even imagine that. So, uh, yeah, um, it was me and a couple friends. My name was Poncho Ripcord, uh, even back then. <laughs> the Poncho thing, um, I had an, an, an uncle that was just a fucking asshole. I mean, a total, just a, a fucking dick, which is why I can't believe that the name kind of originated from this guy because nobody could stand him. He was such a fucking asshole. Um, the only time he ever did anything good for me is when he thought we were going to blow up. He thought I was just super dedicated and I was going to become something. He didn't give a shit about me before. And he went out and bought me a little amp at Guitar Center and thought that all of a sudden he was a good uncle. And, you know, I was going to remember him when I got famous, you know. And obviously, I don't have to worry about that because nothing ever came of it. <laughs> but he used to call people Poncho and uh, Gus, you know, just like just like being an asshole, you know, he'd be like, if somebody said something to him, he'd be like, what's that Poncho? 
Are you okay there, Gus? You know, just like really just arrogant kind of snide, shitty remarks to people. And he would, he would use those names. So I don't know. I just kind of thought it was funny. I guess the name Poncho, hearing it so much from this guy. So I, I took to that. And then the ripcord thing, my friend Derek, who was, would later join the band, um, he just started calling me that. And I don't know why I'd have to, I'd have to ask him, but, uh, I liked it. It was cool. And, um, I think he was probably just talking about the actual ripcord that you pull, like in a parachute or whatever. And, um, I thought it worked well though. Cause I, I changed it to chord, like a musical chord, the CH spelling. And, uh, down South, I think I'm actually known as rip chord and I'm not being funny. I've actually heard people say that it's, it's, I don't know if they're being sarcastic or if they're that fucking dumb, but <laughs> it's pretty funny. And they're not completely wrong. I mean, hey, CH does make that sound, right? They're not completely off. Um, so yeah, that was my name in the band even back then. Uh, I wore a uh, like a rubber or latex uh, skull, like a very goofy skull mask that had like a a checkered bandana on it, and uh, a Hawaiian shirt, uh, like weightlifting gloves, the fingerless gloves, and I think I wore some kind of party city grass skirt kind of thing. Don't know what I was going for there, but um, yeah, it was cool. The mask had the, the you know the jaw that actually moved, so I could sing with it and everything. Um, kind of fun. The other two guys, I don't really remember what their costume. Well, no, I, that's not true. I remember the drummer. His name was Dark Lord. My friend Greg. He just wore like a black cloak. Again, some shit thing you'd pick up at the party store for like fifteen bucks. And his whole shtick was, you know, he'd, we would practice down in his basement and, you know, he would walk down the stairs all scary wearing his cloak and then he'd trip and fall down the stairs and we thought that was just so original and creative. Um, and, you know, being like 15 years old or whatever we were, it was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> but, uh, and then Dave, Dave Crashen, he was the guitarist and uh, I don't know, I, he wore a Hawaiian shirt too, but I don't remember. I think he had a, like flowers on his head or something. And I'd act, I'm going to actually talk about that later because he came back into the uh, other version of Toilet Talk. Uh, I don't remember his name in that band, though. And, you know, I should also add that um, I never intended on being a vocalist. I don't know if I'd say I was, you know, shy, but I, I certainly wasn't that outgoing that I wanted to be the center of attention and, you know, be the front man and, and all that stuff at that time, I just, you know, I, I think I would would have rather have been kind of, you know, blended in with the band. So I had taken uh, drum lessons, guitar lessons. I think I even, I think I even did a little bit of bass. Um, and I just never really clicked with any of it. Thinking back, I probably didn't try hard enough, but but I certainly didn't get the feeling from any of those that this was something that I was going to be particularly good at. You know, so I think you can kind of tell when you're really kind of catching on to something. And I never really felt that. I learned a little bit about all of them, which would help me through the years. You know, I did write some of the COD stuff and, you know, I got a basic understanding of, uh, of some of that stuff. So it was helpful. So I just basically, by default, I had to become the vocalist because I sure as hell wanted to be in a band and I felt like, okay, this is the only thing I can do. I wish there was some epic story about what, you know, inspired me and, and drove me to become a vocalist, but it was simply the fact that I couldn't do shit else. So I had to be the vocalist. And that would explain why in the beginning I was just yelling and screaming. Uh, I didn't think I could sing for shit. And it's funny too, because at this same time uh, in high school, 
I was uh, I was in drama club. I used to act, and I loved. I absolutely loved that. And if I could do it all over again, honestly, I I, I don't know if maybe I wish I had pursued that more. I just I had a real good time doing it, and uh, you know, got close with some of the other actors, and we had like a little our own little group. I think we called ourselves the the starving artists, and uh, I know original, but. And I, we were in high school living with our parents, so I don't think we understood what the hell that actually means. Because now I do. Now now I get that. But not then. I wasn't dealing with that. Oh, maybe it was a little bit of uh, foreshadowing. You know, I was close with these other actors, and I never wanted to be in a musical or anything. But some of these shows that would come out, and everybody would have to audition for them, and I didn't really have a choice. I mean, there was no other shows that were just, you know, just acting only so... At one point, because I just enjoyed spending time with these people, I had to audition for the musical. It was one of the most humiliating moments of my life, standing in front of like you know four people singing some cheesy show tune, and I I sucked. It was horrible. But you know, I thought when I walked away, I said, "Well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It was bad because they they've somehow found some sort of non singing role to give me, and that's when I knew, uh, wow, I must have been really, really bad. I think I ended. It was the sound of music, and I think I ended up playing the butler. I think I had like literally one line. Otherwise, I would just stand on the stage as like a as like a stage prop. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't sing, and uh, you know, I think. I'm getting off a little bit, but I will say, I think through the years, um, you just get more confident with it. You know, you you write a lot of songs and you do recordings. And I think, I don't know if you get bored just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. But, you know, I, I, I tried to sing. And I think, you know, in the end, I'm not a great singer, but I think I certainly got a little bit better at it, at least. And I'm glad because I think it, it makes the music more interesting. So getting back to Toilet Dark. We only had probably like six or seven songs, and I don't remember a lot of them. I know one song called uh, Chainsaw My Penis we actually reused for the um, second version of the band. And I've actually always wanted to go back and, and use this as a COD song, but it's just, I think, through the years we wrote much better material, and it just got it just seemed dumber and dumber. So probably a good idea that I never went back to that. Um, but we had another song called, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what we were about, it was called Whack Thy Weasel. And I don't remember all the lyrics, but I do remember, you know, the some of them and the, and i can tell you one part of this and i don't need to tell you the rest it was something like a whack thy weasel spank thy monkey self-employ yourself as a plumber and it just followed that scheme of two jerk off references and then something that we for whatever reason we thought was funny as hell related to it is about you know self-employing yourself as some occupation and it was a song about jerking off yeah we were we were very prolific and then we had a song called uh, Pimples and Zits. And that was, uh, I remember, Pimples and Zits, Pimples and Zits. The dermatologist loves to kill little kids. I don't remember anything more about that. And I don't I don't know, I mean, you, like, the lyrics were, were just so poorly written. I was a kid, but, you know, dermatologist with little kids with pimples and zits, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. So I don't know. I don't remember the other songs. I think there was probably some that we... Uh, we maybe reused for the other version of Toilet Duck and, uh, you know, spiced up a bit. But there isn't really much to say about the band. We only played uh, one show, and uh, it was at the teen center, the local teen center. And it was pretty, It was we only played one show, but it was pretty memorable because 
I don't know if it was us. I think it was actually a friend that was kind of just performing on stage with us. He had a uh, a crutch, and he was using the you know the top whatever the top piece of that is the rubber piece that you you know rest your arm on as like a as like a dildo you know like flopping it around and getting in people's faces and stuff. And this is at a teen center. There's all kinds of I don't know if they were teachers or you know community leaders or whatever you call them, but they were not happy and. And I was using some pretty vulgar language and they ended up pulling the plug on us and were, were really pissed off and threw us out of there. And I was pissed off. I mean, I was, re- I was really offended. I thought my rights, you know, as a citizen were, were being trampled on. <laughs> so I actually went home the next day and I called the local newspaper and I told them the whole story. And I, and I don't think they really gave a shit until I started kind of going on and on about how you know, I was basically being... Um, unfairly treated and uh and then they they said okay we'll print it and they actually printed the story and compared us to axel rose and marilyn manson and alice cooper and oh my god see that even though it was just a local newspaper you know you think that's at that age you think that's a big fucking deal i thought that was a sign that we were gonna blow up i mean i thought i was gonna be the next big thing I wish, I don't know if I kept the article. I would love to uh, just, you know, post that on Facebook or something now because it's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> that was the only show we ever played. And uh, I think we, I think from there, I just, uh, the, the band sucked. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, it wasn't worth it. I think probably what happened is I, uh, I, I talked about my friend Derek. I think I had went on and started another band. Um, and that's what we'll talk about actually uh, in the next episode. But that was it. That was the first band I was ever in. Very stupid. Uh, three guys that didn't really know what the hell they were doing. Just having fun. And uh, it's a good memory, though. It's a good memory. And I'm glad I'm glad I have it. But certainly nothing, nothing to really talk too much about. So I'm going to leave it at that. And that will do it for the first episode. Thank you for joining me today. I hope uh, it was interesting for you. I hope you're still with me. I'm sure some of you have left by now saying uh, this is boring as hell, but it is what it is, and uh, I'm having a good time doing this, and I hope you'll continue to join me because I have a lot more material coming your way. As I said in the beginning, I'll be speaking with uh, former bandmates. It won't always be me ranting and raving here. You'll We'll take a break here and there. You can hear some other people. Some of us will be uh, actually listening to clips of the old bands, you know, the bands leading up to CODs, like Toilet Talk and uh, Cows. And uh, and I'll even take a listen to some of the material in between Toilet Talk and Circus of Dead Squirrels when we were kind of first getting into industrial music. So it's early, early stuff. It's, you know, it's not to the point where it was on Indoor Recess yet, but it's I think it would be cool to hear it. And um, some of those songs were included in Indoor, Indoor Recess, and it might be, might be interesting to kind of hear how they changed. So yeah, another thing that I'm going to be doing that I'm really excited about, I hope uh, hope this is something that you'll be excited about too, is I'm going to be listening to all four of the CODs albums. And I'm going to, in their entirety, uh, with the exception of, I guess, uh, TPCM2, I'm not going to be doing the remixes on that one, but all the original songs, I'm going to be listening to all those albums, and you can follow along, and I'm going to be doing commentary throughout the whole thing. So... Um, yeah, I can give you some insight uh, on some of these lyrics and just stories regarding the albums and at that time period. Yeah, this should be fun. So that's all coming your way. I'm not sure how long this is going to go on for. 
Could be weeks, could be months, but I'm guessing it's going to be at least around 15 episodes. Um, I've been reaching out to people. I've already actually done some of the interviews, so um, I can tell you right now that for some reason, uh, this app that I'm using to do this, uh, when I connect another person, sometimes the audio quality is a little subpar, especially on my end. So I do apologize ahead of time if it's a little hard to hear. I know this is probably coming through pretty pretty clear, but if for some reason, as soon as I get a second person in it, it affects the quality. And I'm just not that advanced yet. I'm not using uh, real great stuff here to do this, just to be honest with you. I'm just starting out and this is a very easy app to use. So um, I would recommend probably maybe uh, listening with headphones for those episodes, just so you can kind of follow the conversation instead of struggling to hear things. And who knows? I haven't talked to everybody yet. Maybe that's something I can figure out, but I I definitely wanted to address that so I don't have to keep saying that in the beginning of every uh, episode. So yeah, thanks again for for joining me today. I hope you had a, uh, I hope this was fun for you. And I hope you'll continue to listen. So we'll see you again soon. Bye, fuckers. Love you.